Let's take our Bibles and turn to the book of Titus this morning. Book of Titus. Titus chapter 1. Let's read Titus chapter 1, verses 1 to 5. Titus chapter 1, verses 1 to 5. Follow along as I read. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledging of the truth which is after godliness, in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began, but hath in these due times manifested his word through preaching, which is committed unto me according to the commandment of God our Saviour. To Titus, mine own son after the common faith, grace, mercy and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, our Saviour. For this cause left I thee in Crete, that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting and ordain elders in every city as I had appointed thee. Let's bow for prayer. O God, we're grateful for the reminder of your faithfulness towards us and we ask and pray now as we study your precious word Please teach us as to how we can be true and faithful to Thee. In the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. The book of Titus is one of three books that make up what we refer to as the pastoral epistles. Letters written specifically concerning order in the church and how to encourage order and fruitfulness and productivity within the New Testament church. And the Apostle Paul writes to a man in the ministry by the name of Titus of whom the Apostle Paul commissioned this man on the island of Crete, the island of uh, the country of Greece, there in the Mediterranean Sea. And Titus had the great mandate and responsibility to help set in order a number of these churches. The Gospel had reached this island. We're not sure how, but we know that the Word of God is not bound. But the Word of God had reached the island of Crete and there were apparently many uh, fellowships, many uh, groups of people that had become Bible-believing Christians, that had placed their hope in Jesus Christ as Saviour. And the Apostle Paul was made aware of this need for these 
groups of people to be established in churches, for New Testament churches to be established. See, the Bible teaches us in Titus chapter 1, verse 2, in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. And my friend this morning, I'd like to encourage you concerning the fact that God in his graciousness offers eternal life to all. And in Christ Jesus, we can rest in the hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promises. And there were no doubt many believers on this island of Crete that needed to be grounded in the Word of God as Bible-believing Christians. And I trust and pray this morning, no matter uh, what your background is, I trust that you know that you have the assurance of life eternal in the person of Jesus Christ. For Jesus Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures and he was buried and on the third day he rose again according to the Scriptures. And Jesus Christ offers life eternal for all men, women and children. In simple repentance and by faith you can receive Jesus Christ as your own personal Saviour. And I trust and pray that you've made that decision. Upon making that decision, it's very important that you and I grow in Christ's likeness. And God has ordained churches, assemblies, where God's people can come out and to in order to fellowship, in order to be taught the Word of God. And the Apostle Paul commissions Titus to help establish these assemblies, these churches. Note there in verse number 5, the Bible teaches us of chapter 1 of Titus, For this cause left I thee in Crete, that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting. This conveys to us the fact that there were needs upon this island amongst the Christians. That little phrase there, set in order, is a medical term. It literally means to mend that which is broken. Set in order things that are wanting, things that are needful. So the Apostle Paul commissions young Titus the awesome responsibility of helping to mend that which is broken. No doubt there were believers scattered throughout this island, but they needed mending, they needed order, they needed structure, they needed edification. So set in order things that are wanting. And then he goes on in chapter 1 and he talks about the importance of leadership. And the Apostle Paul commissioned Titus that that he should ordain elders in every city as I had appointed thee. So in order to set order amongst these Bible-believing Christians, these Christians needed to be uh, assembled and, and in their assemblies they needed leadership. 
So the Apostle Paul commissioned Titus that I want you to, to appoint leadership amongst these believers. Set pastors that will take care of them and nurture them and look out for them and teach them the Word of God. So that's verses 5 to 9. And then from verses 10 until the end of chapter 1, the Apostle Paul said to Titus that you'll need to deal with some false doctrine, some poor teaching. And there are those that are uh, leading people astray. So Titus, you need to ordain pastors, qualified men of God that will take care of the flock. And also, Titus, you'll need to deal with false doctrine. For the Bible teaches us, in verse number 16 of chapter 1, for they profess that they know God, but in works they deny Him, being abominable and disobedient, and unto every good work reprobate. A pretty strong charge, pretty strong condemnation. So no doubt there were people that were leading people astray spiritually. And the Apostle Paul said, enough's enough, Titus. You need to appoint pastors over these assemblies. And these churches need to be structured as New Testament churches. And you need to deal with this false teaching that prevails, where people make out that they are something that they are not. The Bible teaches us in Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 5, There is one Lord, Jesus Christ, and He is Lord of all. There is one faith, there is one body of truth. And the Bible teaches us that we are to earnestly contend for the faith. One Lord, one faith, one body of truth. Not many options, not a smorgasbord, You believe what you want to believe? No, my Bible teaches me one faith. And that's what we need to adhere to. That's what we need to propagate for the glory of God. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. Not a smorgasbord of baptisms. Whether you prefer sprinkling or pouring or immersion. No, my Bible teaches me one baptism. The word baptism means to immerse. Only immersion pictures the death, burial and resurrection of Christ. So here in this church, we immerse people. That is biblical baptism. One baptism, one faith and we have one Lord in our Lord Jesus Christ. So Titus had this awesome responsibility to set in order things that are wanting. Appoint leadership Deal with false doctrine. And then we move into chapter 2. Verse number 1 it reads, But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. Titus, in addressing false teaching, you need to replace that false teaching with sound doctrine. The word sound here means healthy, uncorruptible. 
sound doctrine. The word doctrine means teaching. Speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. Because sound doctrine will lead to godliness, the Bible teaches us. It's there in chapter 1, verse number 1. Note at the end of the verse it reads, and the acknowledgement of the truth which is after godliness. So false teaching leads to ungodliness. Biblical teaching, sound doctrine, leads to godliness. So the Apostle Paul charges Titus, you need to appoint leadership, people need leadership, the Bible likens you and I to sheep. All we like sheep have gone astray. We are prone to stray. Our lives are out of alignment permanently because of the sinful nature we have. And so therefore we need to be guided, we need to be led. So the Apostle Paul said to Titus, you better appoint some spiritual leaders for God's people You need to pipe up against this error and preach the truth wholeheartedly and you need to, in in refuting truth, uh, in refuting error, you need to propagate the truth of the Word of God. So speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. So here in chapter 2, God is very, very practical concerning what sound doctrine is. And I'd like to spend a few moments, Lord willing, this morning and even this evening talking about sound doctrine in order that God's people, the New Testament church, can be edified and built up. The church is likened to a family. The church is likened to a house. The church is likened to a body. And uh, and there's a reason for that. And you and I can have a part in helping others grow and mature spiritually, provided we understand what our part is within the New Testament church, within the household of faith. Now note here in chapter 2 a reference to aged men in verse number 2. Aged men. Mature men, those that are mature in age. And then we move on in verse number 4. Note it talks about, pardon me, in verse number 3, the aged women, aged men in, number, in verse 2, in verse, the third verse, aged women. Then note then verse number 4, young women. And then verse number 6, young men. So we have the aged men, the aged women, the young women, the young men. What is young, what is old? Well, use your common sense. Amen? Don't complicate the issue. If you're older than somebody else, then you're older than them. Okay? Simple as that. So... In its context here, it's talking about aged men, aged women, those that are of mature in age. 
and therefore because they are mature in age they can have a greater influence on those that are younger. So therefore the Bible teaches us this is sound doctrine. This is how the aged men are to conduct themselves. Those that are of a mature age. They are to conduct themselves as such. This is how the aged women are to conduct themselves. And this is how the young women and the young men are to conduct themselves. To what end that sound doctrine might be propagated within these little churches and that God's people might be established in the faith because the Bible teaches us it's the acknowledging of the truth which leads to godliness, chapter 1, verse number 1. So it's so critically important that you and I as God's people see our part and fulfil our part for the glory of God. So let's talk about the aged men. For those of us that are of a mature age, what is our God-given responsibility? And also we'll tackle the aged women. And yes, you won't get away with it. Young men and young ladies will pick on you as well by God's grace. Because all of us have a responsibility to minister to others, considering one another, the Bible teaches us, enabling one another to, to, to pursue godliness by our life testimony. The aged men, note then verse number 2, are to be sober. To be sober. What does this word sober here mean? It's an interesting word. It literally means to be free from intoxication. Drunkenness destroys testimonies. Alcohol is a curse from the devil. And it's interesting here that the aged men are charged to be sober, to be free from intoxication. Note there in verse number 12 of chapter 1, the Bible teaches us, one of them, even a prophet of his own, said, the Grecians are always liars, evil beasts, slow bellies, the uh, Grecian people, naturally speaking, were known to be liars, they were known to be uh, lazy, they were known to be wicked, vile people and amongst that wickedness was the problem of drunkenness. And God tells us, as an aged man, I need to be an example and be sober and, free, and be free from intoxication. And the best way to be free from intoxication is to make a standard, for, uh, to take a stand for Jesus Christ and to know that the scriptures, the weight of scripture that warns us concerning the danger of alcohol and to totally abstain. That's the highest standard. For the Bible teaches us in the book of Habakkuk, chapter 2, verse number 15. Woe unto him, judgment unto him that giveth his neighbour drink, that putteth thy bottle to him, and maketh him drunken also, that thou mayest look on their nakedness. 
See, alcohol leads to immorality. Alcohol leads to destruction. It's the greatest curse in this nation. It's the greatest curse in the world today is the consumption of alcohol. It amazes me they shut the churches down, but they keep the bottle shops open. That's to our shame as a nation. And the aged men, you and I that are of mature age, we need to be examples of sobriety. And one way we can be an example of sobriety is to say no to alcohol because it will destroy your life. Back in my old fanatical uh, young zealous days, we used to preach outside the Hoyt cinemas in the city on George Street. Friday, Saturday night, we would bring our milk crates and we'd put our milk crates down, we'd stand on them and we'd preach to the glory of God as people came into the cinemas and marched up and down George Street. And the Hari Krishnas, uh, would every Friday, Saturday night, march up and down George Street, gallivanting, uh, doing their little bit. And I remember while I was giving out tracts, now if anybody was interested in the Gospel, we would take them into the Hoyts and find a quiet spot and try to lead them to Christ. See? Um, and uh, So it was a perfect, perfect location uh, for outreach. I remember so vividly on this particular day, I was giving out gospel tracts and this gentleman approached me and uh, it didn't look too good. It didn't smell too good. And uh, he was asking me for some money. He said, uh, can I get some money to buy a ticket? But I noticed that he spoke well. And, um, and then he went on to say, he said... Um, you know what, I was a doctor and uh, alcohol destroyed my life. Alcohol destroyed my life. Never forgotten it. Never forgotten it. Alcohol is good for cleaning. Um, alcohol is a photocopy Photocopier technician's best friend. Did you know that? Metho, clean rollers. Um, we had our photocopier uh, price to get fixed and uh, one technician said $1,800 to fix. So I thought we'd get a second opinion. So we did. Thank God, God set, sent an angelic uh, photocopier technician that under $100 fixed it, fixed the problem. And guess what he used? Methylated spirits. Methylated spirits. But to consume alcohol, it'll ruin your life. And we as mature men need to take a stand for Jesus Christ and fully abstain from alcohol. And then the Bible goes on to teach the aged men are not only to be sober, but they are to be grave. The word grave there means to be serious-minded. Not a clown. doesn't mean that you can't enjoy life, but it means there are some things that need to be taken seriously. So a mark of maturity is a person that knows what needs to be taken seriously. And the aged men need to be grave, the Bible teaches us. They need to be worthy of respect. 
They need to be individuals that take seriously, especially when it comes to the things of God. See, our Christian life is not a, a game. We are in a battle and we are on a battlefield and a mature aged man will note that and will be serious minded, will be sober, will be serious minded. Then the Bible goes on to teach in verse number 2, temperate. That word means self-control. Self-control. A life that is disciplined. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, please. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. First Corinthians chapter 9, verse number 27 it reads, But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I preach to others I myself should be a castaway. Note the little phrase there, And I keep under my body and bring it into subjection. Taking personal responsibility for one's life, bringing our body into subjection, As aged men, as mature men, we need to be an example in this area of sobriety and to take a stand against alcohol and say, no, no, complete abstinence. We need to be grave. We need to have a seriousness about us concerning the things of God first and foremost. And also there needs to be a self-control of life, discipline, Now, how can we be truly disciplined people? We'll go to Galatians chapter 5, please. Galatians chapter 5. Note here in verses 22 and the following verse it reads, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness and temperance. Against such there is no law. So aged men, mature men, we can be men of temperance, we can be men of discipline under the guidance and in the power of the blessed Holy Spirit of God. It's the Spirit of God that enables us to keep our bodies in subjection. We can't do it in our own strength, but in the power of the Spirit of God we can bring our affections under control and our tongue under control and our bodies under control and to use our, our, our whole being for the glory of God of God and for the advancement of the gospel. So the aged men are to be sober. The aged men are to be grave. The aged men are to be temperate. Self-discipline. But also note there in Titus, please. What else? That's important we bear bear in mind the word be. The aged men are to be. This is all about being a testimony and and fleshing out godliness. The aged men are to be sober, grave, temperate. Note the next little phrase here. Sound in faith. Healthy in the faith of the Word of God. Walking in the faith. Earnestly contending for the faith. Note there in 1 Peter chapter 3, please. First Peter, the third chapter, 
verse 15 it reads, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks of you of the reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Listen men, we need to know what we believe and why we believe it. You and I need to spend time in the Word of God and read the Word of God. We need to be sound, healthy in faith. We need to know what we believe and why we believe it. We need to earnestly contend for the faith. And when people ask us, what is that hope that lies within you? You can share that faith with confidence in the precious Word of God. We need to be careful lest we are weak and feeble in faith because we'll be tossed to and fro, the Bible teaches us, with every wind of doctrine. So the aged man needs to have some things worked out theologically. So for those of us that are mature men in age and you would say, well, I've been a Christian for many, many years, let me ask you about your theology. Do you know what you believe and why you believe it? I trust you do. Because you and I need to be in samples concerning the truth. The Bible teaches us one Lord, one faith, one baptism. And we are to earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. And I thank God that I'm part of a New Testament church that believes in the one faith. We don't offer smorgasbord here. We offer you the truth by the grace of God. And we try to propagate the truth by the grace of God. But yet you and I as God's people, as mature men, we need to know what we believe and why we believe it. Sound in the faith. Temperate. Grave, sober. But also note there in verse number 2 it talks about in charity. Sound in faith and in charity. Unconditional love. Demonstrating the love of God which is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. The Bible teaches us in Romans chapter 12 please. Look at this, Romans chapter 12. In verse number 9, Romans chapter 12, verse number 9, it reads, Let love be without dissimulation, without hypocrisy. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. And as aged men, we need to reflect that unconditional love of God the power of the Holy Spirit. Because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. We are to be examples of being sound in faith, but also we are to be examples in this area of demonstrating, reflecting this unconditional love. And there in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 to 7, just in case you've got some question marks as to what is Unconditional love, the Bible spells it out very, very clearly how we can reflect and demonstrate that unconditional love. And then last but not least, note there in verse number 2 of Titus chapter 2, the aged men are to be patient. The aged men are to be sober, free from intoxication. They are to be grave, serious-minded, especially when it comes to Spiritual things, the things of God. They are to be temperate, they are to be self-disciplined. They are to be sound in faith. They are to be 
loving, reflect unconditional love. And by the way, all of us are to be the above. Amen, Pastor. All of us are to be sober. All of us are to be grave. All of us are to be temperate. All of us are to be sound in faith. Talk to me. All of us are to be sound in faith, reflect God's love and be patient. But when it comes to the mature men, you and I need to be at the forefront, being that example of what it means to be sober, what it means to be grave, what it means to be temperate, what it means to be sound in faith, what it means to love like God loves and how to be patient. Oh, patience. The church at Thyatira was commended for her patience in Revelation 2. 19. Patience. When you get a little bit older, you tend to lose patience. Naturally. If you're not careful. And that's why we need to be spirit-filled. And the Bible teaches us you have need of patience. Hebrews 10.36 Patience. Love. Sound in faith, temperate, grave, sober, six main qualities that you and I as age mature men need to reflect and be an example in before others. Unfortunately, age doesn't necessarily equate to maturity, which is a sad reality. So God is saying, because of that reality, you aged men need to lead and reflect your age by your spiritual maturity. So there's no point boasting that you've been a Christian for 30 years. Where's the evidence of that? I've had people over the years boast to me they've been Christians for eternity. Just about. Yet I wonder where's the beef? Where's the evidence of that? So the aged man, six qualities, the number six is the number of man. And God gives us six qualities that will be evident in the life of a mature man. Then the Bible goes on to refer to the aged women. Likewise, Likewise, what does that mean? As well, amen. Likewise, that'll be sober, free from intoxication. That'll be grave, that'll be temperate. That'll be sound in faith, in charity, in patience. The aged women, likewise, that they be also in behaviour as becometh what? Holiness. Holiness. The aged women are to reflect holiness. The Bible teaches us in Proverbs 31.30, Favour is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. And as, and as aged women, 
Ladies, you need to reflect holiness and godliness by your behaviour. The aged women likewise. And that ye be as well in, in behaviour as becometh holiness. To be set apart from sin, set apart unto God. Be holy, for I am holy, and I thank God we've finally resurrected our yearly theme banner. Amen. And God calls us to be holy because God is holy. And mature ladies, you are challenged from the Scriptures to be ladies that are in behaviour holy. And note what the Bible goes on to teach. As becometh holiness, not false accusers. A godly individual, a godly man, a godly woman will not make false accusations. They will guard their tongue. Not false accusers, which is the opposite of holiness. In other words, to be a false accuser is to act in an unholy manner. And this little phrase here, false accusers, comes from a word, diabolos, which is translated devil. So to be a false accuser is to do the work of the devil, the Bible teaches us. And the Bible teaches us the devil is the accuser of the brethren. He loves to point fingers. And you and I as God's people need to be people that become holy and reflect holiness by guarding our tongues. The Bible teaches us, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth for that which is good to the edification of the saints that we may minister. And mature ladies, guard your tongue against slander, against gossip. Because men don't like to talk. Scientific proven fact. Unless we have to. A good place to say amen. There are the odd exceptions. Women like to talk. That's why God brings a man and a woman together. That's why God gives a man a wife that tries to get that man in her life to talk. But with this drive to talk, to speak, there is the danger of saying things that we shouldn't say. And that's why the Bible teaches us the aged women need to be careful lest they become false accusers. I've often said, just listen to somebody for long enough and it will, you'll be able to tell how mature they are. You don't need to ask many questions, just listen. Because our speech betrays us. So not false accusers, not given to much wine. This is an interesting phrase here. What does this mean, Pastor? So in verse number 
Two, the aged men, they'd be sober, they had to be free from intoxication. So, so, so what are we saying here? The men are to totally abstain, but women are allowed to sip a glass of wine every now and again. Is that what we're saying? No, we are not. No, we are not. The Bible here teaches not given. The word given means to be enslaved to. Aged women are to guard against being enslaved to much wine. It is not saying you can drink in moderation but not in excess. It's saying guard against alcohol. It will enslave you. It is addictive and destructive. So what it's saying indirectly, just like the men are to abstain from intoxication, so the women are to abstain from intoxication. But it's just as much as a man can become a drunkard, so can a woman become a drunkard as well. Not given to much wine. Not be enslaved to alcohol. The Bible teaches us that which you yield to, that's what you'll become. You yield to unrighteousness, you'll produce the fruits of unrighteousness. So the Bible is teaching the mature men and the mature ladies that we need to lead from the front and say that we need to keep our bodies pure and holy and we need to be examples to the brethren by totally abstaining from alcohol that is destroying people's lives. Left, right and centre. Amen, Pastor. That was a good place to say amen. Pastor, what's wrong with one drink? Everything. There's an article in my file. I think I've still got it. And it's titled, One Drink. This alcoholic said it just took one drink to destroy life. May God deliver us from these pseudo-Christians that say, oh, pastor, it's okay to have a sip of wine every now and again. You watch out, you could become the next alcohol, uh, alcoholic. Nobody determines to become an alcoholic. Okay, I'm going to start drinking today and I'm going to be a drunkard. No, it's not how it works. May God deliver us. The aged women are to be holy, not false accusers, not given to much wine, not to be enslaved to alcohol, teachers of good things. This is so critically important. Ladies, for those of you that are of mature age, you have a valuable opportunity to impart to others what you've learnt. Instead of being critical of the younger generation and say, oh, these young girls, they've got no idea. Of course they've got no idea. They need you to teach them. Amen. You had no idea once upon a time. Stop being a hypocrite and be a Bible Christian and do what you can to encourage these young ladies to live godly in Christ Jesus. 
Amen. We have all these women today having a midlife crisis. Children have all grown up, so they decide, I'm going to go back to university, I'm going to get my degree, and I'm going to make my 100,000K. What absolute rubbish. Nonsense. You as a mature woman have an opportunity to minister to young ladies and encourage them, teach them the things of God. The world has everything upside down. And some of you are following in the world's footsteps. Teachers of good things. See yourself as a trainer. Listen to me, mature ladies. When was the last time that you got alongside a young lady and you imparted some spirituality? You encourage them. Isn't that what the Bible teaches? And it's interesting, it doesn't say um, age women just uh, teach your daughters. Does it? No, it, it reads age women not false accusers, not given to much wine, that they may teach the, let's say it together, young, let's say it together, let's say it together, my hearing is going, I can't hear you. Say it again. Yeah, okay. You mature ladies, when was the last time you encouraged a young lady? I had to learn I had to learn the hard way, Pastor. Well, so what? Doesn't negate your responsibility to encourage a young lady. We've got some young ladies in this church. Some yet single. Some just married. Some just had their first child. What are you mature ladies doing to encourage them? Instead of sitting up in your little perch and being critical of them. This is New Testament Christianity. I'm not mad. I'm just going to encourage you. We need mature men that will be that godly example from the front. And we need mature ladies that will be godly. And instead of thinking about a career that they think spiritually and think, how can I encourage young ladies to live godly in Christ Jesus? Pastor, that's a bit radical. That's Bible.
That's Bible. Tonight we'll continue. We'll talk about what the aged women are to teach the young women. So if you're brave, if you're courageous, come back tonight. Am I right or not that we need to encourage one another? We all need encouragement, is that correct? And God is telling us this is how we can encourage one another. Aged men, aged women, young women, young men, this is how you can do it. Let's bow for prayer.